Support for WABE comes from the Community Foundation for Greater Atlanta. You can go beyond giving to impact. Learn more at cfgreateratlanta.org. At a time when information continues to come at us faster and faster, sometimes you need to hit pause and rewind. NPR's Throughline takes you back in time to the source of the news stories filling your feed. Find NPR's Throughline wherever you get your podcasts. From WABE in Atlanta, welcome to this Thursday edition of Closer Look. I'm Rose Scott. Coming up in just a moment, early voting is in full swing here in Georgia. We caught up with Fulton County Board of Registration and Elections Director Richard Barron after day one of in-person voting. We increased our polling locations for election day to up to 255 locations. That is a positive because we are now have more locations with fewer voters assigned to each of those locations. That will reduce the lines. The risk in doing that is that we need voters to know before they go. That conversation coming up in just a moment. And speaking of early voting, Polling locations across Metro Atlanta are open today for the fourth day of early in-person voting. That's throughout the entire state. More than 742,000 people have already cast ballots. That is according to the website Georgia Votes. WABE's Emil Moffitt was up early this past Monday for the first day of in-person voting. He spoke with voters at the state's largest voting location, State Farm Arena in Fulton County. Turnout was really heavy uh, in Fulton County this morning, especially here at State Farm Arena. There were lines outside of the building before the doors officially opened to voters at 8 o'clock this morning. Now, once doors were opened, a few voters went through the lines and did the check-in process, and then it was discovered that there was an issue with some of the voter cards and the poll pads. Uh, The poll pads had to be reset Uh, And according to Richard Barron, who is the elections director here in Fulton County, they had to reset all 60 poll pads and re-download the voter database. And once that was done, lines started moving quickly. They had about 45 minutes of a delay where the lines really weren't moving, and we did sense some frustration from voters at that point. But once they got the lines moving, once the technical issue was fixed, then lines started moving quickly, and by 9.30, 10 o'clock, Uh, we started seeing the lines dwindle down to just a handful of voters. So with 300 voting machines here, they are able uh, to move people in and out quickly. Uh, The voters we talked to, once they got the technical snag figured out, were very happy with the process. They said it was quick and easy to get through. Um, And they enjoyed the experience of voting here at State Farm Arena. And one interesting note, Lloyd Pierce, who's the head coach of the Hawks, is actually uh, working, manning one of the lines, uh, greeting people and uh, ushering them through as they get ready to vote here at State Farm Arena. So the Hawks have really uh, stepped up to the plate here to uh, borrow a sports metaphor, mixing sports metaphors. They've stepped up to the plate um, to allow uh, Fulton County voters to vote here early and to allow Um, a lot of their staff to take part uh, in this process of early voting. That's WABE's Emil Moffitt reporting from State Farm Arena. Now, there are more early voting sites throughout the Atlanta region beyond Fulton County. They'll be open most days between now and October 30th. Voters can cast that vote at any site as long as it's in the county in which they are registered. Y'all got that? And, of course, early voting is encouraged due to the coronavirus, And this while cases in the U.S. are climbing. 
More than half of U.S. states are seeing an increase in cases, according to the Johns Hopkins COVID-19 tracker. Here in Georgia, the number of COVID-19 cases confirmed each day has remained mostly flat for the last two weeks. And typically, the Georgia Department of Public Health provides new numbers each afternoon. So at the time of this broadcast, here we go. 334,601 COVID-19 cases in total have been confirmed here in Georgia. Now, 29,918 have been hospitalized. And of those, you're looking at 5,546 that were reported as ICU admissions. Also, 7,470 deaths have been recorded since March. And all of this always is according to the State Department of Public Health. Now, Georgia Governor Brian Kemp says he will use $1.5 billion, would it be, dollars in federal relief funds to bail out the state's unemployment system. Governor Kemp says the measure will shield businesses from a possible unemployment tax increase. However, Kemp is opting against sending large wave of grants to city and county governments, which prompted this tweet from Savannah Mayor Van Johnson saying, quote, I am more than disappointed at this absolute reversal at the expense of local governments and local needs. Close quote. This is Closer Look. Closer Look continues now here on 90.1 WABE. This is Atlanta's Choice for NPR. I'm Rose Scott. If you don't know, now you know early voting is underway. And although there was some expected Long lines, maybe some technical glitches and high voter turnout. Let's hear from some Fulton County voters. It was great. It was uh, the best I've ever seen. It was in and out, no no hold up, no nothing. It was, it was seamless. This is my third stop. <laughs> I uh, stopped near my home and I was told there was a two and a half hour wait. So, okay, go to work and then go back out. And then I went to the High Museum of course, there was a long line, and someone said they voted here earlier this morning. It took just minutes. It was nice. The line, you know, went move, move fast. The only problem that I've seen as far as senior citizens, they need some type of transportation where they can get back and forth. I'm just glad everybody came out to vote. I got here by 930, and I'm just now leaving, 121. Smooth as silk. You're in, you're out. I wasn't even, I didn't even stand in a line. It was one, two, three, the steps were clear, the machines are working, the helpers are just wonderful, everything. The experience is A+. Voices of folks who opted to go in early and cast their ballot, courtesy of our WABE colleagues, Emil Moffitt and Lee Oppenheimer. So, the day after the first day of in-person early voting, I spoke with Fulton County Board of Registration and Elections Director Richard Barron. Well, it's all over, so no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's only just begun. Uh, you heard some of the voices there from voters in Fulton County. What'd you think? Oh, that's encouraging. I mean, we had yesterday the only day of early voting in 2016's presidential election that beat that day was the last day of early voting. We had yesterday um, 19,716 people vote and only the last day in 20, that, and that's compared to 14,927 in 2016. Mm -hmm. It was an encouraging turnout, 
and I think going forward, we um, we're gonna we're gonna do well. Let's talk about some of the the challenges. There were some technical glitches having to do with the equipment for the some of the workers, the poll workers. Was it the the iPads? What was the situation here? The, the poll pads at State Farm had an issue with the file when we first opened this uh, yesterday morning. And one thing I did before this election was purchase these uh, cradle point routers that that can help with any issues that pop up with the poll pads. So. As soon as we diagnosed what happened, we were able to uh, recover quickly and reset all of the poll pads in State Farm, 60 of them. And we cleared the voters out there within probably 20 minutes. And they ended up processing almost 3,000 voters at State Farm. And other than that, that opening time, uh, they had no lines. So other sites had lines. Sure. And I think one of the things that people should know is they could drive to State Farm and vote and drive home and probably save time over voting at some of the other locations. Well, here's a question. Why not then make it available on November 3rd? Well, we don't have uh, a way in Georgia with the way the law is written to have anyone vote anywhere on election day. And I know Representative Bruce has been pushing a bill for several years to do countywide polling locations on election day. And when I was an administrator in Texas, we were able to do countywide polling locations on election day. And what that does, the advantage of it is it eliminates provisional voting almost because you can vote anywhere. Mm-hmm. So on election day, you have to vote in your precinct. And if you don't vote in your precinct, you have to vote a provisional ballot. Therefore, countywide polling locations are the best the best way to go. And we we if if we upgraded the technology in Georgia to get cellular uh, poll pads, we could do it here. And so I'm hoping that the legislature will change the law next year and adopt countywide polling locations. The last few times that we've had a conversation, and we all know what happened in June, and, and those were not good conversations, but what have been, I guess, the lessons learned here? Well, I think, you know, we, you know, June was um, a challenge unlike anything we've ever gone through here, just because of you know, losing all the polling places, the poll workers, having very few early voting sites. And then we had a record turnout for for a primary and the Democratic turnout was four to one mm-hmm. uh, over the Republicans because of the, the nature of the contests were so, were so competitive on the Democratic side. So it put a lot of stressors on in um, more high heavily democratic populated areas of the county. What we did was make sure that we went back to our normal allotment of early voting sites. And we actually even exceeded what we did in 2016, but we knew we had to just because our our voter count has increased by a quarter million since Mm -hmm. then as well. So uh, we have more early voting locations than Cobb, DeKalb, and Gwinnett combined. 
and which is usually i think what we have in most presidential elections but it's especially important this year because the everyone is seems to be more engaged and motivated to vote than i've ever seen it and we we expect to get an 80 percent turnout this year which would set a record mm -hmm. uh, the previous would be 74 percent. i believe it was in 2008 when president obama was elected so we had to, we increased our polling locations uh, for election day to up to 255 locations. The, that is a positive because we are now have more locations with fewer voters assigned to each of those locations. That will reduce the lines. The risk in doing that is that we need voters to know before they go. We need them to check to make sure they know where their polling location so is. Is there a chance, though, that some voters may have a new location than they had either in June or the last general election? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Yes. There's going probably 33 to 35 percent of the voters are going to have a new polling location. And we've sent out head of household mailings. Um, we did before the, the Congressional District 5 election. To all of those affected voters, we did it, and we've sent out precinct cards to all of the voters that were affected by all of those changes. Mm -hmm. We sent out a flyer uh, for the head of household that reminded voters to to check the My Voter page at Secretary of State's website to make sure they know where their election day location is. And we've got another postcard going out this week as a reminder too. Mm -hmm. We just we needed to get more polling locations and we had planned before the pandemic hit to do it um, to get up to maybe 220 but we were able to expand up to 255 and now we only have i think 12 locations with more than 5,000 registered voters and that is going to be a key going forward another thing we did was we per we doubled our inventory of check-in mm -hmm. uh, stations or check-in computers, the poll pads, and that will give us more checking capacity on election day than we've ever had. Even with the previous system, we didn't have anywhere near this, this capacity. That 80% projected voter participation that you just mentioned a while ago, does that also, when you unravel that to each precinct, each location, is that also projected that it'll be 80% of voter participation? Because if you have one precinct or location, that has 5,000 registered voters and 80%, that's why I'm asking, it, are you saying that 80% of those 5,000 could also come out on election day or just well, in general? Because that's a lot of folk. We're, yeah, we're planning, I mean, we're projecting that 80%, so 4,000 out of 5,000 would vote. Mm -hmm. But we're also trying to drive 80% of those voters to vote before election day. Because in, in 2016, we had... 60, 64% of the voters voted before election day, 59% during early voting, but only 5% absentee by mail. When you look at the way the landscape has changed now, where you have a year where a Democratic runoff for um, district attorney and sheriff in that race, more voters cast ballots absentee by mail than they did in the presidential in 2016. So we've already received wow in excess of 52,000 absentee ballots back. 
and we're planning to get at least 120 to 150,000 of those back. Hmm. If we have days during early voting like we had today, I think we're going to hit 350,000 uh, during early voting. If you put another 120 to 150,000 um, through absentee by mail, that's going to get us in that 450 to 500,000 range. Mm -hmm. And we're projecting about 620,000 people to vote in this election. Director Barron, for those who have requested an absentee ballot, they should have received it by now if they if it's been at least more than a month, correct? So the ballots started going out we could, and on the 19th of September. Mm -hmm. um, those were for the rollover voters who are 65 and older or that are who are dis those voters that are disabled on the 21st all of the other ballots started going out now they're being mailed st we're still using runback we're using them through friday those, so those ballots are being mailed from arizona and what we're finding and i requested an absentee by mail just to see how long it would take me to get one from the, my processing date, uh, which was the 21st, because that was the first day they could go out, um, my ballot, I, I signed up for ballot tracks at the Secretary of State's website so I could track it. Mm -hmm. That ballot was mailed on the 24th, had a postmark of the 26th, and I didn't receive it until October 3rd. So it's, it's the seven to 14 days from what we're hearing from voters. And I think sometimes you know, maybe in the last couple of days, it, it might be stretching to 16 days. So, um, but the best thing to do is to get on ballot, go to the Secretary of State's website and sign up for the ballot tracking, uh, which is called ballot tracks and tracks is with an X. Do you recommend that if someone has not received their ballot as of the time of this conversation, which is October 13th, and we still have some, some time, because for some folks, they say, you know what, I'm just going to wait and now either go early voting or wait till November 3rd. That's going to cause a conflict because in the system you all have that voter requesting an absentee ballot. Does that cause any problems it, when they well, get to the location? That is when people go and cancel their absentee by mail uh, application at the polling site, <clears throat> it, does, it does increase the lines. It increases the wait time because those voters take a little longer to process. And that's what I think why we're seeing longer lines statewide is yesterday, a lot of people canceled their absentee by mail applications. My recommendation is that if you have requested an absentee by mail and it hasn't you, and you've gone on to the, my voter page, you've seen your issue date. And if you are in that 14, if it's been 14 days since your issue date, um, I would contact our office and because we want people to vote by mail who have applied to vote by mail Okay. in order to, to keep the lines down across the county. And I, I would say that I'd be speaking for all the other election directors in that regard. It does, I, I, it takes time to get the ballot, the application processed and get it into the mail and then for the mail to arrive. We've put 38 drop boxes around the county mm -hmm. for to make it easy for voters 
to return those. And 90% of voters, once the 38th one goes in in Chattahoochee Hills, 90% of the voters are going to be within three miles of a drop box. About those are being picked up every day and are also, um, they're surveilled by a camera and our teams go pull those out, seal the ballots, bring them back here. We, we give them credit for voting. And then we can begin scanning those next Monday. The voice you hear is Fulton County Board of Registration and Elections Director Richard Barron. And we're talking about what went right and some challenges during the first day of in-person early voting this week and what voters can expect moving forward. And also still some of the controversy surrounding Georgia's new voting machines. Why are these ballots coming from Arizona again? I think I asked you this last time, but I do not remember your answer. Well, that's the the Runbeck is a mailing house that that specializes in this mailing ballots for voters around the country. They, <laughs> they specialize in it. <laughs> they they do it for other jurisdictions too. I mean, I think they do they the job they do is good. Now, I think under the contract, they are only mailing for Georgia twice a week right now. It's like Mondays and Thursdays, I believe it is. So it that's why there is this this lag time. So I, I would encourage people to be patient and they, you know, if they don't get their ballot and, you know, and I would also recommend that people apply, if they're going to apply to vote by mail, do it. The, the legal day deadline is the 30th of October, but I wouldn't, if, if you're going to vote by mail and you do it after October 20th, each day past the 20th, you're, we, Fulton County will start mailing ballots on October 17th, which is going to reduce the, mm-hmm. the the time that it will take for a ballot to get to a voter. Is it too late to request an absentee ballot? No, you can request one up until October 30th. The Postal Service recommends October 20th being the last day that you request one. We agree with that. The, the closer you get to October 30th, the less chance there is for counties to be able to process those, get them into the mail, and for the voter to be able to return them in the mail. If they use the drop boxes, they've got until 7 p.m. on election night to put those in a drop box. If you're just joining us, I'm joined by the Fulton County Board of Registration and Elections Director Richard Barron, and we're discussing the start of early in-person voting and what voters can expect on November 3rd. We'll take a break. When we come back, we'll continue our conversation. This is Closer Look. Support for WABE comes from the Community Foundation for Greater Atlanta. If you love Atlanta, you can invest in the big picture. Learn more at cfgreateratlanta.org. The field of mental health counseling is growing rapidly, and Richmond Graduate University can equip you with everything you need as a licensed professional counselor while integrating your faith into your clinical practice. Programs are offered in Atlanta, Chattanooga, and online. Apply today at richmont.edu. That's R-I-C-H-M-O-N-T dot E-D-U. Closer Look continues now. You're on 90.1 WABE, Atlanta's choice for NPR. I'm Rose Scott. We'll pick up the conversation with Fulton County Board of Registration and Elections Director Richard Barron. With these new touchscreen voting machines, um, because they are connected to printers that can produce a, a paper ballot for the voters, right? 
that you all then yes. scan. That's how it works, correct? Yes. And then that, in a sense, tallies up the votes or adds up the votes, correct? That's how it works, yes. right? So when you talk about, do you have any privacy concerns with these new machines? Um, there are some people that have them. We, um, for election day, we've ordered uh, sneeze guards for them that, that sh we should have in place for election day uh, that is going to, they will give even more privacy to the voters. I mean, if you're standing directly behind a voter, it's hard to see the screen. Mm -hmm. There are places, I mean, if people really want to try to peer behind someone they you you can get a view of of the of the screens the screens are larger brighter and bigger than the previous system but i think as long as the voters standing in front of it with the at least in our county with the wings you know next to them mm -hmm. the view is is obstructed generally from somebody that's behind and actually, yesterday, um, I heard no no complaints about that, which um, I thought to myself last night was noteworthy because I think when we first introduced them earlier this year during early voting for the March PP presidential preference primary, I did hear that. And so we we have tried to position the the units in in the locations to reduce the visibility mm -hmm. and i think we're going to get better at that as we gain more experience with this system and finally as we wrap up director baron a couple of questions here first of all there were calls for you to be fired there was calls for an entire overhaul of the not just your county but a lot of counties during that process from back then to now what have you learned as the director of the state's largest county in terms of voters. Well, I, I, I'll tell you one thing I've learned is I'm not uh, that when it comes to asking for help and for that, I, I'm going to do it to make sure the voters in the county are serviced well. Um, we went out and I went out and started working with National Vote at Home Institute with regard to absentee by mail. Uh, we, we've got help from the elections group, and they've embedded three people in our staff to help look at some of our processes, and they've, they're helping with um, absentee by mail and some change management. Went out and secured a $6.3 million grant to help pay for different things like uh, a COVID stipend to make sure all of our poll workers are out there. Uh, that we were able to recruit them and retain them and to do decontamination at polling places after the election so that we don't we don't experience what we did in June where we lost a quarter of our polling locations. I think uh, working with the county uh, county managers executive staff and getting input from outside the department about ways we can do things better and then coordinating with uh, the county manager Dick Anderson mm -hmm. and chairman Pitts to make sure that we have everything at our disposal within the county I mean this this operation has become so large uh, with especially with absentee by mail the way it is now that uh, it, it is no longer 
we don't have we didn't have the staff to do everything that we needed to do and so you know i'm not above asking for help and that's one of the things that, that um uh, i i felt we needed to do and we're taking it from wherever we can get it uh in order to to pull this this election off and make it successful are you still in need of poll workers for november 3rd or period no we've got we've um we are on target we were our goal was to have all of the poll workers assigned by uh, the 19th next week and we're on track to have that in done and have all the poll workers trained by november 1st and so we're we are on track for that we've got a, we've got technicians for every polling place we are also going to have a canceled ballot station in every polling place. We're going to have line managers at all of those polling locations as well. And so I think in the end, we will have 2,785 poll workers assigned, but we're going to have with the line managers and some of these extra people that will be in the field, we're probably going to have between 3,500 and 3,800 people out in the field on election day to make, and that's going to be an increase probably a 14 to 1500 over what we had in the 2016 presidential. Mm -hmm. So the, the, the project just running this election uh, has become a much larger job than it has. And this, this new voting system is um, I think we, now that everybody's used to it, working with it, it, it is do it is doing it's job it's um, the machines are performing well um, I think everyone's comfortable with them it is it is a labor intensive resource intensive system mm -hmm. we have to throw a lot of resources um, at it to make it to make it work but it provides the paper trail that voters that many mm -hmm. voters wanted let me ask you this given all the concerns do you think we will have all of the results? tabulated on November 3rd. Specific I'll tell you what we're going to have tabulated by um, election night. Mm -hmm. We'll start scanning all of our absentee by mail on, uh, we'll start opening them on Monday, the 19th, and start scanning them all the way through until we're concluded. But everything we scan between Monday and election day at probably two o'clock, that will be released um, at around seven o'clock on election night. That should be in excess of 95% of all of our absentee by mail ballots. We will close out early voting, the early voting units um, at 7 p.m. on election night, because according to the law, we can't do it beforehand. And I hope that's another thing the legislature will change because in other states, you can close down your early voting units after early voting closes mm -hmm. that way. And we would, so we'll be able to release those early voting results probably by eight to eight thirty, And between those two, that's probably going to be about 75% of our entire vote total that we should have out by eight thirty on election night. Then the election day, the election day precincts will start coming in. And once those come in by by election night at whatever time, midnight, 1 a.m., we should have all of our election day results in 
And that should be probably 97, 98% of our total vote count. And what, what will count after that will be all everything that comes in on the drop boxes to the drop boxes on election day and everything we receive uh, absentee by mail on election day and provisional ballots. That'll be what remains. So most of our vote count will be in on election night. And I would say that the other counties in Georgia, it will be in a similar position to us. Most of our results will be in by 11 o'clock. I mean, I would say we'll probably have 90% of our election day results in by 11 o'clock. Mm -hmm. what, what, it depends on how long the lines are at seven o'clock and how long it takes the, the polling places. Yeah, because you all have to, folks are given the right to cast a ballot even if after that 7 p.m. time. As long as they're in line. As long as they're in yeah. line. And we know that some folks were in line till one o'clock in the morning. Do you anticipate uh, yeah, that could happen? Yeah, during early voting uh, in June, yes. Fulton County Board of Registration and Elections Director Richard Barron discussing the start of early in-person voting and, of course, what voters can expect leading up to November 3rd and November 3rd. Director Barron, thank you so much for taking the time. You always make time for us. I appreciate it. I like coming on your show. I enjoy the conversation. So anytime. That's it for this edition of Closer Look, which is produced by Grace Walker and LaShawn Hudson. Our engineer is Shelly Canavy. If you missed any of today's program, it's online at wabe.org slash Closer Look. And of course, you can listen to Closer Look weeknights at 8 p.m. And listen whenever you want, because Closer Look is now available as a podcast. Just visit NPR One or your favorite streaming app and subscribe. This is 90.1 WABE, Atlanta's choice for NPR. I'm Rose Scott. The world has changed from shifts in power to a mental health crisis. So with all this social change, how do we balance the human desire for empathy, the business need for productivity, and the hope to make an impact in our community? This is a new podcast, The Social Impact Leader. I'm Jeff Schinnebarker. Join me as we explore people doing work a little different. Available every Wednesday at wabe.org forward slash podcast or wherever you get your podcasts. W-A-B-E. Sounds Like ATL is a music documentary series that takes an in-depth look at the artists amplifying Atlanta's famed music community. Built around a desire to highlight Atlanta's diverse and world-renowned music scene, each episode features unforgettable, intimate musical performances by fresh new musical guests, each with exclusive interviews about the stories behind their music. Listen at wabe.org or wherever you find your podcasts.